hey, check your energy level on what you are doing. And if your energy level is down or whatever for two weeks, then check what you have done the last two weeks, you know. And now, your podcast hosts, Andre and Christian. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Connecting for Future, the podcast where we explore the intersection of technology, leadership, and the pressing global challenges that define our times. I'm your host, Christian, and joining me, as always, my co-host, Andre Brusia. Hi. Today's episode is recorded in person again at the Vodafone Studios in Düsseldorf, and we have a special guest joining us today, Hartmut Müller, Vice President and Chief Transformation Officer at ServiceNow. Hartmut is a true expert in global IT transformation. Thanks for having me me. Very honored to have you here, Hartmut. And I think we, we met uh, at your time in, uh, at Mercedes-Benz. Now you're right. at ServiceNow. We will go a little bit into that. But before we look at your personal career path, let us start about talking about technology and technology trends. So what's your view on current tech landscape? What's the hottest trend out there? Guess what? It's artificial it's intelligence. It's Gen AI, of course. I think, uh, and, and to, to be frank, it's not new, you know, to a certain extent. But I think adaptation, actually, and also hardware is able to cope with all that what software needs, so to say. And that's why Gen AI, I would say, is one of the, the key topics, especially large language models, and how you apply them, actually, towards certain domain across your value chain in a company or even in a specific way on a certain domain. So, and I think that's, that's of course, one, you know, we came from Metaverse, you know, over the last years, that's a bit going down, you know, and I think Gen AI or AI is a, a true iPhone moment, you know, which changed a lot. Yeah, I think the, the very special thing about AI is that it uh, affects everybody, right? There's something for everybody in it. Right. Yeah, for me, it's about when you look to technology, and I think AI is a good example for that, it augments certain personas or it augments certain processes, you know, in corp. And when you have that picture in mind saying, okay, it's augmenting something, you know, it's augmenting a persona like myself, or it's augmenting a certain business process, then of course, on the one side, it disrupts, you know, you have to think it completely fresh on Greenfield, but it helps you as well also to overcome obstacles where you are having today, you know, and I think that's... That's a bit the picture I have in mind when I'm talking about technology. Of course, it's technology, but not for the sake of technology. It's really also about uh, what, what is it for business? What's in for business? What's the value coming out, you know, and how can it connect to also to value streams of a company? This is why we started this podcast, because we always think that technology is there. The question is, how can it be applied to, to real life problems and challenges exactly yeah. and, it's, and that's the key you know you know also in you, know, you have to invest you know and it's investment protection on the one side you know and and also you have innovation protection to a certain extent and that's why you have to be clear on the value which will come out Hartmut your career has spanned some of the most iconic companies globally can you share a bit about your journey and how you found yourself at the intersection of technology and transformation Yeah, that's a that's a nice question actually you know being a, at a certain age you know you are looking you try to look back and you're not looking at front so thanks for the question Christian no actually I started in career pretty early you know so I was at a small company uh, small in consultancy then I moved to uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers as a consultancy and then to Daimler Chrysler Stabis uh, during that days and it was very early in IT and it was about you know how to apply software towards corporates you know and even in my first company we, we, we did not have, have IT you know it was about implementing it first changing processes changing personas you know and uh, that was also the thing where I would say it created a certain DNA how I look on technology and it's not for, for me it was never about it will endanger something it was always about hey how might it help 
to get better, you know, going forward. Mm -hmm. So, and, and that was also because I had, of course, I was at the system integrator side. I was at the systems, you know, run also large managed service stuff. And then I changed to the customer side. I was on Deutsche Telekom, CIO for the B2B business. Then I was this, uh, the CTO of Mercedes, you know, running technology. Recently, I joined ServiceNow as a platform company because I think platforms are a key, you know, to innovate fast, you know, and, and ServiceNow as a true system of action for hyper automation, I think it's a great product, you know, and it was also the decision I took saying, hey, it was great actually working for such a platform company, you know, which right. everyone talks about. <laughs> Coming back to the tech stuff, you were talking about the metaverse earlier. Right. So um, from my view, it, it fell a little bit behind in the press that are mainly talking about AI. What are the chances, especially on the industrial metaverse, to become reality? Yeah, and I think the good question, what you said is, there's a difference between industrial metaverse and consumer metaverse. And the industrial metaverse will stay, you know. When you look to digital twins, the world of twins, how you create a digital value chain of your physical value chain, you know, and simulate stuff towards that. And, and, and there, in that case, also many technologies are coming together, you know. It's a convergence of technologies like cloud, like security, connectivity, mobility. And, and I think that will definitely boost productivity going forward, but it also speed ups innovation, you know, and save costs for companies. So industrial metaverse will definitely stay. So that's at least my, my belief in it. And also the technologies you are seeing, look, companies like NVIDIA, you know, they are mm. up or through the roof, so to say, doing great stuff, but also companies like Epic with Unreal Engine. And so it's... Uh, Great, great stuff here. From our view, AI can be help in many parts of the company. Is there a limit to artificial intelligence? The question is, what do you see as a limit? You know, I think, like I said at the beginning, you know, for me, it's a bit augmenting, you know, how can I augment stuff or how can I disrupt existing stuff? And it, of course, what you're currently seeing actually with Gen AI, creating results out of unstructured data, you know, uh, or even the co-pilot initiatives. A lot of companies have released their co-pilots, you know. For hmm. me, it was in, in, in old IT speaking, in, in, in the past, there were so wizards, you know. I don't know whether you remember that. There was a wizard how to do stuff, you know, which guides you through like right. a companion, so to say. And I'm saying Gen AI, of course, is completely disruptive, you know, also with the, uh, with the hardware power currently available. And it helps really to think processes completely from scratch different. And I think that's also the attitude you should have. It's not about, okay, we add it to our existing brownfield like an additional ingredient. No, it's really about saying, how would it look like from Greenfield designing it completely new with that technology, you know? Hmm. And when you look to also to software development, you know, I think GitHub Copilot is a good example eh? how to create code out of text, you know, or even in the future apps out of text, you know, and I think, eh, or even out of voice, you know, in the future. And I think that that will speed up uh, tremendously uh, processes, yeah. A lot of people always see the risk associated with new technology instead of seeing the chances. How do we turn this around? I think what I always said, actually, also I had a discussion about blockchain, for instance, I think two years ago, and there was a discussion coming up, what is actually regulatory stuff? Does it help to adapt or is it really endangering the overall progress in the technology? And I'm saying it's like with AI. Uh, AI looked on it rather singularity on looked on that means you can't run AI without having a proper data strategy in place, you know. You have to be clear how your data is classified, is your data actionable, accurate, you know. And I think if you don't have a proper data strategy and also the right policies in place to govern that in your organization, then it's not endangering anything. Then it's rather creating process and, and regulatory stuff. And even that what the EU Act is currently doing, you know, 
And, and when you look to regulation across the world, in certain areas, it speeds up adaptation. So mm. that's what I believe, because then the guidelines are clear. You know, you can experiment within the guardrails also. And, and I think that's, that's a, a bit back and forth, you know. And I think companies should be open to experiment. That's a cultural topic. You know, you mm. have to have the attitude to experiment. On the other side, you have to be clear what's your governance and your organization and what's your risk appetite. And according to your risk appetite, I think you set the guardrails even a bit tighter or a bit broader, you know. So I think that's how I experienced it the last 15 years or so. Yeah, that's a good way to see it. Now we are facing also global challenges from the energy crisis to the war for talents. How do you see technology playing a role in addressing these challenges? That's a nice question, war for talent, you know. I'm, what, I, what I always have in mind is actually how can you learn or unlearn, you know, in certain way. Because given speed of innovation, how to cope with that and be current, you know, in your knowledge, what you are having as, an, as a worker, so to say, also, and be mm. prepared for that. Um, on, the, on the one hand side, you know, we touched the topic AI, and AI, of course, will shift duties uh, who are commodity more to whatever, digital agents, virtual agents, mm. or even bots, you know, or even self-service, you know. So I think, and that means goes up higher value uh, duties uh, and for higher value duties you have to educate your people and, and then it comes back to the question how you learn today and how would you learn tomorrow given amount of information you will have uh, available you know when you compare that the last 10 15 years 10 years ago you don't have that amount of information available which you can digest and the question is how, how to digest and i'm saying technology will help you to digest faster hmm. and to I would say extract also the relevant information for yourself to learn and unlearn to a certain extent. And for me, it's not also the discussion because war of talent means, okay, we have a shortage in what, you know. So it means, are we able to be clear on how to distribute work according to workers and how to educate the workers accordingly, you know. So, and I think and that will shift, you know, and that's a challenge also for companies to take care on that. What is relevant, what might be shifted out to a digital companion or mm. a virtual agent and what will stay and how to educate people, you know, in that journey and what is the lifeline of a, of a worker, of an employee, you know, in a company and how you support that by technology. I think that's a bit the, 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 the things I have in mind. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, there's also a lot of fear of some employees, you know, that, that technology makes themselves redundant or, or needed anymore. So... I think there's a big pressure for, for the companies to take the employees with them on, on the change journey and then make sure they know what their place is and, and um, support them on, on the way. So is there a secret for you to what to do to, to take the people with you and, and have a positive mindset towards change? I think it's always, a, I think what's, what's true and where we have to be also very transparent, it's always about higher productivity, it's about efficiency, but it's also about speed of innovation, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, I think, the trade-off in, in which companies are. And of course, I think you have to reflect also your technical debt, you know. I think also when you are a company, uh, whatever, 10, 15, year, or 10, 50, 100 years in business, you have a certain legacy, which is not bad, but you have to acknowledge, actually, that you might not be cutting edge and that you are carrying a technical debt also inside your organization. And if the, whatever, the technical debt is run by your people, then of course the people have also a technical debt which they have to overcome. You know, that means legacy architecture equals legacy skills. So mm. if you said that's the starting point, the point of departure, then it's really about how to overcome that. And that is for me rather a cultural topic saying, 
how can I drive people out of sometimes their comfort zone to experiment, to learn, and even also to fail, you know, and accept that in an organization and to learn out of that what happened, you know. So, and I think these are uh, quick innovation cycles where you have to raise sometimes a question mark and saying, hey, do I have to kill my baby, you know? because someone else did, greatest, uh, did a greater job, or how can I build on someone else's idea to support that? It's a bit of outward mindset you should have in terms of how can I support others, how can I train and educate people uh, in a proper way, but how can I also um, create a cultural environment in an organization so that learning, on the one side experimenting, but also failing is not an issue hmm. seen, so to say. So that, that's at least a point I have. Let's dive into the specifics. What is your view on the hottest technology trend right now? It's of course AI, you know, I think, um, and that change is a game changer, you know, I think also, uh, especially large language models, you know, and I think on the one side, a lot of people are experimenting with OpenAI, ChatGPT and that stuff. On the other hand side, I think what really drives value if, if you are clear on which domains you want to apply a large language model actually helping you Uh, whatever, doing case summarization, you know, something like that, easy stuff, you know. And it's not, sometimes it's not rocket science what uh, uh, AI is doing, but it really supports you and uh, and then you can really measure the value which is bringing uh, mm. or what is what it is bringing, you know. Because I think we have, we have to be clear on what value it, it really creates, you know. And, and for, I would say, proper value management, you have to measure. You have to set up your metrics properly and say, hey, That's the thing I want to measure. Uh, and if efficiency is measured by whatever, reduced FTEs or freed up FTEs for, for other uh, duties, then you should be also very honest in discussing that, you know, I think going forward. And, and of course, looking to service desks, for instance, you know, where you have virtual agents, where you have chatbots, you know, first core resolution will go up, you know, with having AI in place and all that stuff. Of course, there will be less people doing that, you know, to hmm. a certain extent. And, and that goes back to the question earlier, how to free up these people, you know, and leverage them and use them for higher, higher duties and higher value duties. And, and I think that's the key. For me, it's a bit, when you consider AI as part of a hyper-automation element, then it's how to deal with the after-automation effect. Hmm. You know, because it was, it was early days, you know. You automate it by IT, suddenly you have five people free. And say, hey, shit, <laughs> how could that happen? Now we have five people. What to do with these five people? Then let's train them, you know. Rather being a bit foresighted, saying, okay, I look from the end on it and saying, hey, if I apply this over a given time frame, okay, these five people might be freed up. So ideally educate them first, you know, bring them into a training track and then yeah, use them for different stuff. And it's also, it has a bit to do also how we, how we learn, train people, how we unlearn existing stuff so that it is not an attitude pattern which was built over 15, 20 years. And, and I think that's very important that we unlearn or even build back reflexes we are having, so to say, and learn them new, you know, so, so a bit like that. Are you also using chat GPT a lot? Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> but it's more private thing, you know. If you want to, you know, I have, I have a picture in mind saying, hey, chat GPT is for me a bit a digital companion, you know. If I want to have a very compressed information about some stuff, I ask and you get uh, nice information, you know, and you can digest it quite fast. Or even if you have uh, a document of whatever, 50 pages and saying, hey, let's summarize it to whatever, 200 words or so. It delivers, of course, sometimes different value and different quality, but it delivers, you know, and I think that's uh, the thing I, I'm experimenting a bit with. Hartmut, we actually asked ChatGPT what the single most important question should be to, to be asked in this podcast. <laughs> the output was, what pivotal moments or decisions in your career 
have had the most significant impact on your approach to leading transformative initiatives and how can others leverage similar insights in their own professional journeys? Um, that's a, a very good question, actually. And, and it has also a bit to do with reflecting on what I've done, you know. And um, it was a bit in terms of when I started uh, accountability, and it was also in very early days, I wanted to make the organization I was into better. You know, it, it was always a bit the, the aim, the intrinsic motivation to create a better organization. Out of, or sometimes it's saying, what, what's better? But you say, improve stuff going forward, you know. And, and improving stuff going forward or even applying some stuff to improve going forward means you have to change something and you have to transform something. That's why I also like sometimes if people are talking about human-centric technology adoption, which means a it is not for the sake of technology. It has to do with us as human beings. And of course, you have to apply it in a certain way, you know, and you have to say, hey, what does it mean for each individual? And individuals are, of course, different, you know. So, and what has it to do with each work step, you know, in an organization or in a, in a, in a value chain? And, and I think reflecting that and saying hey, the human is at the center, so to say, and, and around that it's technology and around that is, of course, stuff like culture, like structure of an organization which could be changed or even the strategy, you know, and the North Star given, uh, that belongs together. For me, it's a bit of triangle, you know, of strategy, culture, structure, the employee or the human being in the middle. And technology is changing that, you know, and, and to a certain extent, sometimes you have to change only one element of the triangle, but sometimes you have to change all three elements. And, and that was always a bit pivotal in my career. I was also very clear in terms of how can I complement my journey in IT. So being a computer scientist, you know, uh, on education, saying, hey, you have to do everything, you know. I, I, I was intrinsically motivated to run large managed service and data centers, you know. Even due to the fact that you have a lot of incidents with running thousands of customers, you know, and it kept me awake also, of course. And it was also my motivation to say, hey, I want to be a CIO, you know, saying, defining a strategy and being very close and convergent also to business hmm. and understanding the business, you know, because it was for me always very important to be in the interface between business and IT. And IT was for me also, all over the entire career, it was never an organizational construct or a function. It was always, hey, it's either a capability you have or not, you know. Hmm. So and, and ideally you have a capability because if you have the capability, then you can talk about it. And if you don't have the capability, then better don't talk about it, you know. So, <laughs> so it's a bit that. Yeah, and you have an impressive background, right? Just to highlight again, you led the IT transformation globally for Mercedes, right? You served as CIO for T-Systems. What is the kind of mindset to have just in regards to, for, for instance, to take something forward, to change jobs, right? So actually being in as a CIO function, it would be also pretty comfortable stay, staying in that kind of position or going to Mercedes, right? So you're always driving, you're passionate. What is the mindset? The mindset is a bit, um, I would say you have to be clear on uh, what is your personal belief, what is your attitude, and that translates into a certain behavior, you know, and that's why I'm always saying my attitude was always to learn new stuff, you know, so I was also getting a bit bored when I did whatever, two, three years the same stuff, you know, I have to be honest, you know, and I think that's why I'm also experimenting with new stuff like blockchain, you know, I also as an intrapreneur founded a great organization in Mercedes with blockchain technology, for instance, or now dealing with AI technologies and checking how what my digital twins do or how would the digital companion look like for even an individual. So that was always stuff I, I'd like to do, you know. It, it sometimes was even not said to me, hey, you have to do that. No, it was always intrinsically creating a lot of initiatives 
which combined efficiency on the one side, clear, you know, also technology innovation, you know, you have to build back also technical depths over time, educate people uh, on that hand. And on the other hand side, also, it's about driving completely new stuff on Greenfield, you know, because for me, it was always clear, if you do it only on Brownfield, you will not question the status quo. So, so and, and, and that led, and that led me also to um, that what I'm today, because I like the, I'm not a title, but I said, hey, it's all transformation, what I have done over the last 20 years in IT for myself. For the clients I worked with, you know, as a consultant or as a managed service provider, but also for the organization I headed, you know, towards all, it was always applying change to the organization. And that's also when I'm talking today to many CIOs, for instance, or even CEOs saying, hey, what is IT actually for you and how you would perceive IT? What are the core elements of IT which you have to run in a, in, in a company, you know, and how you run IT in a company? And these are, are discussions I really like, you know, because they are, I learned a lot, you know, I learned a lot the last uh, six months being with ServiceNow. Companies think of even in, a, in one industry. And they are different, you know, it's, it's like you are, Vodafone. <laughs> it sounds like you, you really planned your career through. So do you think that a career path can be planned beforehand? Uh, to a certain extent, I think not, not fully. But I had a, a great HR guy when I was 30, and he, he said a very important thing to me. He said, hey, Hartmut, don't focus on your blind spots or your white spots you are having. Because when I was around 30, end of 2030, I was promoted to a senior manager, you know, in, in, in Davis, um, Daimler Chrysler times. And my first intent was, hey, have, you have to be clear on your white spot, blind spot, let's fix them. You know, so it was, and this guy said to me, Hartmut, it's not when you are becoming a leader, it's not about focusing on your blind white spots, it's rather focusing on your strength. You know, mm -hmm. very fast guy, going forward guy, you know, but also being clear on that you complement your team according also what you need, you know. So it's if you want to always want to play offense, please ensure in your team that someone is playing defense. That's you a know? great advice. Hartmut. Yeah, yeah, I like that. yeah and, that, and that's for me. That was for me uh, one thing. And I think the only thing what I did once is before I became CIO, I said, hey. I have to do infrastructure because I came out of consultancy, software development, all that stuff. And I said, I have to learn how networks, large data centers, infrastructure is working. And then I actively looked into such opportunities uh, to take over large-scale business. And it was actually, these were the two pivotal moments where I had a bit in my career, which uh, drive, drove me into that direction. I mean, Wonderful insights, Hartmut. Now let's spice things up a bit with our quick fire round. Are you ready for it? Of course, of course. <laughs> quick fire round. Easy one to start with. Bayern München or VfB Stuttgart? Uh, of course, VfB Stuttgart, grown up in the area, you know, been there, you know. It's, uh, I think 45 years, actually, I'm with the, I'm with the club, you know, and, and this year they're doing extremely well, you know, I, I love it. And, yeah, it's uh, a good year for them, right? Yeah, yeah and yeah. Saturday I'm in the stadium uh, against Bremen, so I'm looking forward to that. Okay. <laughs> question number two, if you could time travel, would you go to the past or the future? Mm, that's a good question, actually, because grown up with Back to the Future, actually, <laughs> movies, I would rather travel into the future, you know, to hmm. see what is really, how would the world look like in 50 years or so? And even in a time where you normally not live anymore, you know, that would be quite amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, Next one, what's your favorite tech gadget of all time? Ooh, so I now could say it's, it was a data set in early days, you know, <laughs> with, with my Commodore 64, which I started, uh, which was a nice thing, you know, in early days. Uh, but I would really say, you know, it's uh, the iPhone or the, the cell phone changed really a lot, you know. So and it's, it's really a rather digital companion when you look to what you are doing with that. And even when you 
when you go into a perspective saying it will be a way, you know, if you won't have it, I, I could not imagine that I don't have an, uh, an, a cell phone, you know, or an iPhone aside. Talking about the iPhone, what do you think is the uh, the usage in the future? Will it be text? Will it be still keyboards to enter stuff? Will no, I think voice it's voice. Or, it's voice. It's, you're talking a lot about voiceification, you know, also in a, uh, coming out of a car industry, voiceification plays always a, yeah, a, a huge role, you know, in how you communicate with, with a digital identity, which is a car, you know, and, they, and, and everything will become a digital identity. So, and, and digital identities have to communicate. And of course, there have to be certain protocols, you know, like blockchain, smart contracts and all that stuff. And I think that will come, uh, no matter, uh, no doubt about it. But it's, of course, voiceification, like, you know, it's large language models, you know, you have to understand, you know, and you have to communicate. And the more digital identities are understanding you as human beings, the more it will be seamless, you know, and I, and, and I think that's, That's my take going forward. And Hartmut, you're a busy guy, right? So however, you are well in shape. How do you keep fit? Ooh. <laughs> no, I, of course, I did sports, you know, in, in early. And I try sometimes to, uh, to run uh, once or twice a week, you know. Mm. So going a bit to the gym. And even if you are traveling, you know, I think you have to be mindful to yourself, saying how can you, on the one hand side, get sufficient sleep, at least six hours or so, and how can you build in some routines in your daily life, you know. So because I think that's what you should be mindful on yourself, actually. That And what I'm always doing is actually I'm checking my energy level, because it could be last three weeks, for instance, I was heavy traveling, you know, but it was still a full charged battery, you know. When I came home, I was fully charged, you know, it was not sucked out, You know, so to say after heavy travels and it gave me energy, which is great, you know, I would say. And that is also what I uh, advise also to, to leaders in my organization, even to employers. Say, hey, check your energy level on what you are doing. And if your energy level is down, whatever, for two weeks, then check what you have done the last two weeks, you know, because it sucked out something out of you and it should rather give you energy what you are doing because then you are always full powered, so to say. Yeah, I, I really hope this podcast really increased of course. Your, your energy level. <laughs> no, I like it. I love it, actually. And really, thanks for the invitation. Uh, yeah, there's One last question we always ask in, in every episode of Connecting for Future, and that is, what is the most important advice you would give young leaders? Stay curious, you know. And uh, one thing what I learned over time, the higher you climb in hierarchy, the more likely you lead even more senior, more capable people. That means the more you have to listen to them instead of talking, you know, because I also met a lot of leaders who tried to talk the entire time, you know, where I said, hey, it's the opposite, actually. The higher you get, the more senior leaders you lead, the more you should listen, you know, to them. And that's one advice, actually. And I think that means also guys will get curious, stay curious, also pick on ideas, build on ideas, keep living. And I think then it's a very fruitful environment you're creating. Perfect. Powerful advice, Hartmut. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Hartmut. Welcome. Thank you for having me. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Remember, the future is connected and together with the right technology and leadership, we can shape a brighter tomorrow. Thank you so much, your podcast host, Andre and Christian. Keep connecting.